We are delighted to be joined by one of our favourite YouTubers, the host of Theology Nights, Brad Weber. Hello and welcome to Exposit the Word, Brad. David, I am just so grateful to be here. And uh, you guys are also my favourite YouTubers or podcasters, whatever you want to say. And so really, it's just like, I'm just kind of like, I'm, in, I'm starstruck, right? I'm fan, I'm fangirling, as they would say. I'm just really <laughs> excited to be on the, on the podcast with you guys. It's great. Well, it's great to meet our one fan that we've got out there, Brad, you say. I own a sweatshirt, too, so <laughs> you I'm, do. I'm that big of a fan. That's true. And you, you model it very well. We was very impressed when we saw that, Brad. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so before we get stuck into the questions, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, my name's Brad. I am uh, married to my beautiful wife, Christine. We've been married uh, going on four years in October, mm. and uh, we are uh, we live in a small town called Poland, Ohio, which is just outside of Youngstown, which is, for geography purposes, about halfway between uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're right on the Ohio PA line. Yeah. Uh, we have two dogs, uh, Tiger and Rory, uh, named after the golfers Tiger and Rory. Okay, I'm, yeah, a, yeah. I'm a huge golf fan, and uh, my wife actually, um, she's the one that picked the names out, so it's kind of funny. She's uh, <laughs> she's sort of the only sport that we watch is golf. The only sport that I really follow is golf, and so since we got married, she's become a golf fan. And when we got these two dogs, uh, they're Great Dane rescues, and she picked the names out. And so uh, we have two dogs, and then we have our first son on the way. Uh, Thomas Paul, he will be here uh, sometime, Lord willing, uh, mid-October. October 18th is his uh, his date. Um, so she is a licensed mental health counselor. Uh, she works for a uh, private practice, and uh, she works. It's a Christian organization. Mm-hmm. Um, they do. Uh, it's um, she she covers all aspects of, of mental health counseling and uh, addiction and and just about anything really with counseling wise. But she does it from a Christian perspective. Yeah. She is a uh, graduate from uh, Liberty University with her master's, and then she attended a, uh, a small college in our area here for undergrad work. Mm. And then I am sort of – I'm self-employed is probably the easiest way to, to describe what I do. Yeah. Um, I have a small business where I, I help churches do uh, anything online uh, really when it comes to – uh, Facebook posting and social media posting and running live streams and um, sort of anything that they need to do when it when it comes to online presence and so that's like my uh, my main job and then my I guess my other job is I'm a day trader I I, I trade I trade stocks is and that, that is a whole different conversation to yeah, have yeah uh, but those are the two main things that I do as far as as work I'm, I'm just lucky to be self-employed and to be able to take care of my wife while she's been pregnant and um yeah we, we've got a really good really good life here in, in our little corner of the world so in 2020 is now a good time to be buying stock or selling stock Brad? give us the inside <laughs> scoop a, if the inside scoop and this is a, you know not investment advice yeah you, always have to, you have to say that whenever you talk about stocks because people will say well he gave me investment <laughs> advice to work out not investment advice yeah. if you have as i've studied the markets for years uh, yeah. trading has always been like a side hobby of mine and um so right now if you are actively involved in the market it's a good time to be trading and buying stocks but if you are buying stocks just to long-term invest it is an absolute horrible time to be doing it right, okay. um, the markets are just very unpredictable they're changing minute by minute uh, typical news where a company would have a good earnings report which normally causes the stock to go up mm. stocks are doing the exact opposite and so it's a very weird time. But if again, if you can be involved with it all day long, 
it's a good thing to be to, to be doing. So yeah. long term investment, no. Short term investing, that's your choice. That's, yeah. that's that's something that you could do. Yeah. So how did you actually become a Christian? So that's a it's a it's a it's a fun story, um, yeah. and it's something that I'm really grateful uh, to to be able to uh, share with people. So I am I'm 37, mm. and I became a Christian when I was 30. Um, so relatively uh, still young um, in in the faith. I was um, I was not raised in the church. I was not raised in a Christian home, but I also was not raised in an in an atheist or an agnostic style house. It was just never anything that was. Uh, we just didn't really, we weren't church people. Um, my dad passed away when I was real young, when I was five years old. Um, my dad committed suicide actually. He passed away. And so for many years, it was just my mom and I, and we, um, we lived, we were, I was born and raised in Ohio and then we moved to, uh, Southern Florida. Uh, gosh, when was this? A couple years after my dad passed away. So I was probably eight years old or so. Yeah. We moved to Southern Florida. We lived in Southern Florida for a while. And then when she met my stepdad, uh, we moved back to Ohio. And then that would have been the first time that I ever experienced church. Uh, it was sort of uh, living in his house, his rules type of thing where, you know, he was going to church. So we went to church. I had no understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. I had no Bible knowledge. I had um, I, I mean, if I'm just being honest, I didn't have a desire to learn and to become a Christian. I just was doing it because that was my dad's wishes. You know, you're yeah. going to live in his house, you're going to church, and I was fine with it. Yeah. So I did that for a couple of years. And then um, when I became, um, you know, when I got into my 16, 17, 18 year old ages, I sort of rebelled and became my own person. And um, that's when I really began my road, if you will say, to becoming a Christian uh, like 14 or 15 years later. Uh, I began experiments, experimenting with drugs and alcohol and that whole lifestyle. And uh, before I knew it, I was 30 years old. I was I was homeless. I was completely addicted to drugs. And um, that's when I encountered Christ. That's when I was um, that's when I was uh, that's when I was saved. Uh, that's when I became a Christian was after those years of, of um, you know, now I have a, a better understanding of what it means to be a, a follower of Christ and to be mm-hmm. saved and. I now can look back on it and see where I was actively running away from God's will for my life and um, to, to kind of look back and see, um, you know, obviously, like, I don't wish the journey that I went on. It was it was bad. I mean, it was there's been I should not be here, you know, talking with you, honestly, like mm-hmm. I should I should have died, you know, many, many, many times. Uh, mm-hmm. But by the grace of God, here I am. Mm-hmm. And so we had um, we had quite a journey. And, and so to look back upon it now and to see how. I mean, Christ was there. He, he orchestrated my steps to like put people in my life and, and to um, get me to where I was. And um, yeah, I found myself 30 years old and, and homeless. And uh, my parents had said, you know, you're on your own. We, we're not helping you anymore. You got to figure it out. Yeah. And so I went to um, our local homeless shelter and I said I needed a place to stay. I had nowhere else to go. And uh, through this shelter, they had uh, what's called a discipleship academy. It was a biblical based recovery um, program, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I joined the academy, and that's when I first learned about Christ, and that's when I first started to learn about theology, and first started to learn about the Bible. And through that, I became a Christian, and that's when I was saved. And it's been—it uh, was a life-changing experience. And it's been, like I said, that was uh, 2013, and so we're going on. It'll be seven years uh, on August um, uh, next month. Seven yeah. years now. Wow. So, what's life looked like since becoming a Christian, then, Brad? Well, it's, it's funny because like when I first went to the mission and when I finally got serious about getting clean and when I finally started to take this, 
I always say Jesus stuff. Mm. Like when I finally started to take that serious and as I was praying for the first couple of times, I didn't want to just get clean off drugs. Like I I wanted to be completely changed. And I I remember praying that like, you know, Christ, if you are real and and I'm, you know, I'm still skeptical at this point, I'm still not a committed fully hundred percent believer. I said, I don't want to just be saved from drugs and alcohol. I want my life to be entirely transformed. I, I want to be consumed with Christ, and it did not take long for that prayer to be answered. And so, you know, I went from being a person who um, never viewed uh, marriage as something that was a desire of mine. I, I, I viewed, um, you know, I, I just I never thought it was something that I would uh, I, I would ever be. I would never be in a committed relationship for that long. That aspect of my life has changed. I, I have an amazing wife that God's blessed me with, and. Um, I, I love her with all of my heart. And, and then, you know, the aspect of becoming a father in October, that was an area that I never thought would be real. And now he's blessed us with a child and yeah. um, to be a active member of the community and to help other people that are struggling with things that I used to struggle with. That's another area that is different. And, you know, life itself is just um, the way that I describe it is. I used to be afraid of waking up the next morning, not just like, oh, tomorrow's another day, you got to get back up, like like not just that attitude. I used to be literally afraid of what the next day would bring because I was so, I was so involved in addiction and I, and I had all these lies of these stories that I was telling and I, you know, I was always looking over my shoulder mm-hmm. and, and now it's like I, I, I just wake up in the morning and every day is just – you know, it's just a gift. Like, like, like life is so, so precious to me now. And, and, and compared to how it was, you know, when I was in my addiction, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that's different is, is I just enjoy life fully now, not because of any other reason, but just because of my, of what Christ has done in my life. It has changed me from every aspect. Yeah. Uh, I'm not just clean and sober, but I'm a completely transformed person. Life, yeah. life looks entirely different yeah. uh, than what it did in, in 2013. So Brad, where did the desire to start studying theology come from? So this is a fun story. Uh, funny, actually. Um, <laughs> so when I first became a Christian, again, I had no background information on what an actual Christian looked like. I, I just, I, I didn't know. Um, I didn't have knowledge of the Bible and things like that. Yeah. So when I first became a Christian, I started, I was lucky enough to have a bunch of older pastors that trained me as a Christian. I, you know, it's just crazy to think that the people that are in, um, one of the guys actually married my wife and I, one of the guys early on that, um, my spiritual father, if you'll call him that, um, he is a, a dear friend of mine. He's an older guy who's been in ministry for, uh, for years and God w- uh, placed him in my life, uh, for, uh, uh, still today. I mean, so f- seven years almost now, um, that I could learn from him. And, and there was many other uh, guys that were older and seasoned in the faith to where I, I was able to learn from. And so I saw all these guys as pastors and that's when I first started to get this itching to teach the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so it was around that time, like shortly after I became a Christian, I, I had a desire to teach. And me, again, not really knowing what it meant to be a Christian, I thought that when you became a Christian, you just went into ministry. I just thought yeah. that was like the natural transition. Yeah. And so like I would tell people this desire and they would sort of chuckle. They would be like, no, that's not the desire at all. Like that's <laughs> the opposite, really. Like people don't become a Christian and then automatically go into ministry. Yeah. It's, it's you know, you have to be called towards it. Yeah. And so it was early on that some people said, well, you know, maybe you're getting a calling into ministry. And so I didn't really think much of it because again, I was 
just a new Christian. I was early on. And then God just started giving me opportunities to teach and to, um, you know, the, he gave me a platform at, at this, this, the rescue mission where I, um, attended this academy. I actually became an employee and I worked there for, uh, five and a half years. I, I, I got a job offer and, um, I, I started as a client advisor and I worked my way all the way up to uh, a vice president position and I was there for a long time. And, uh, then, you know, God called me into another area of life and, um, I'm very grateful for my time there. Uh, but it was during this time at this mission, uh, where I was given an opportunity to preach the Bible and to teach the Bible. And I was surrounded by men who had a desire to do nothing other than study the Bible and to study theology. And so I started learning about these these names that I had never heard before, you yeah. know, the Spurgeons and the Sprouls and uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones and John MacArthur and, you know, these heavy hitters as, as you know, mm. we all know them to be. Mm. And I had never heard of them before. And so I just started to get hungry for theology and for um, the word and, and it just even, it, it just overtook me. It, it just, you know, as I said before, I wanted my life to be completely transformed in every area. Yeah. And so it just started to change. And, um, even when I, uh, when I moved out of the mission and I got my own place, you know, I was, I was watching John MacArthur sermons. I was watching grace to you and I was watching Alistair Begg and I think that's what I did on Friday nights. I would, I would watch sermons of these guys and, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And, it, it just, I'm, I'm just really grateful for, um, one of my biggest struggles. I, I, and I don't really struggle with this as much. It might pop up every once in a while, but I see younger guys that, you know, in their in their late teens, early twenties. And, and here I am, I'm 37. And I, and I, I always would think I'm late to the party. Like I have so many years that I've got to catch up on. I'm yeah. just now becoming a Christian. Yeah. And so I, I would struggle with that a lot. And then I, I finally got to the point to where I realized, like, no, you know, th- this is part of my journey that God had me on. And yeah. he is he orchestrated it. And, and so I need to understand that it was in his timing and, and, and I'm OK with that and, I, and I'm fine with that. But it was just every single day I, I noticed that um, the only things that were satisfying me were. Um, you know, was was studying theology and was reading the Bible and watching sermons and and all of these things from the past they just sort of slowly started to go away and yeah. um, so it just kind of snowballed from there. When I when I first became a Christian, I just had that desire and it grew and yeah, it just it's it's crazy to think that like I went from having no like zero Bibles, like no, I didn't own a Bible. Yeah. To now, like I, like I could tell you about you know GSM count on certain Bible versions, <laughs> and I could tell you about yeah. different covers of Bibles. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just, it's crazy to, to kind of like step back and think like, wow, like this is this has been quite a journey, yeah. and, and it's just I love it. I, I I love I love the study of theology. I just I just really do. Yeah. Uh, it really comes across as well we mentioned at the top of the interview uh, you've created this fantastic resource theology nights um, i'm really interested how did you come up with the idea and when did you when did you start youtubing so um as we were kind of talking about behind the scenes uh technology has always been a thing of mine um it, it has always been a a passion I, i've loved technology since i was a little little kid and so um i i gained a lot of knowledge early on and then I went to tech school and um you know I thought I was going to be in IT for my career and things like that and um so I've always had a passion for technology hmm. 
So when I started getting involved with the church and becoming a Christian and things like that, um, you know, for example, Truth for Life, Alistair Begg's ministry. Yeah. Um, I actually live about an hour from Alistair's church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been to his church. I've met Alistair before. I've seen the Truth for Life building. And so I, I if they're in my backyard, like we're that we're, we're close to them. Yeah. And I I saw that ministry and how amazing it was. And I thought, man, I would love to do that. I, I'd love to do something like that. And then there's the other podcasts that that I learned, like even uh, like Dwayne from the Bar podcast, for example. When I first started out, like I hadn't even pressed record on the camera yet. I had a conversation with him once. I mean, he just offered his time to me. It was he never knew who I was except for that one message I sent him. He texted me his phone number. He said, "Call me whenever you want to." Mm -hmm. He gave me advice, and and so Mm -hmm. I really started to um, think like, okay, what's my gifting? What what am I good at? And the, the, the live show idea kind of came, uh, it just sort of, it sort of happened. And I remember it was a Tuesday afternoon and I had decided that, okay, if I'm going to do this, I just need to do it. And so I picked that Friday. I picked Friday nights as the night I was going to do my live show. And it would be like a question and answer style show. I would do teaching on specific topics. I would, you know, exegete a passage of scripture, whatever it looked like. Mm. And I started advertising and, and, and all of my friends showed up and I thought like, after the end of that show, I was like, man, that was so much fun. It just felt so natural. And then I was trying to like tell myself, all right, don't get too overly excited. This is the first time, you know, it's you, you just just take it easy and stuff like that. And then they just started happening more and more and more. It just became it, it was just like I didn't even have to try to do them. It just felt so natural to me. And so those were the early days. And I, I just kind of, you know, I started growing a little bit more and that was some confirmation and then I started meeting new people and I got plugged in with some guys that have been doing it longer and I could learn from them and um, it just it I had so many people tell me that were in our community we're a smaller community and so you know everybody knows everybody just about and so I'd run into somebody at the coffee shop and they'd be like hey I watched your show and Mm -hmm. they would say something that you could only know that if you watched the entire show and like these were like random people that were watching it's not like it's like my mom and wife were the only (laughs) two people watching like they were actually watching the stuff that I was doing and I remember people telling me that's you like you just fit comfortable behind the the camera like you're you just it looks like you like Mm -hmm. that is your thing and so I kind of just got some confirmation early on that like, okay, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And the Lord gave me some confirmation as well that, you know, he, he put some people in my life to learn from and, 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 you know, I'm not a numbers guy. I, I you know, I, but just naturally, you know, you have to watch numbers in the online world because, you know, that's just, that's just what you do. We watch numbers, we watch view counts, we watch subscriber counts and stuff like that. Mm. And I started noticing those numbers were going up and then I, you know, I could zoom out a little bit more and my network was getting bigger and stuff. And so that inspired me to do more. And then I started learning more about audio and video quality. And so then that helped. And now, you know, here we are two, uh, two and a half years later uh, of, of doing the, the podcast and the live show. And I've just been able to grow and become more comfortable and uh, learn more about how to, to do a, a good webcast or a podcast, whatever you want to call it, how, yeah. to, how to do that effectively, uh, but making sure that I'm honoring Christ the whole time because that's the important thing. It doesn't yeah. matter if I have good video, good audio quality. If I'm, not, if I'm not teaching proper theology and if I'm not making much of Christ and all that I do, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and that's been my statement all along is to make much of Christ and, and everything that I do. Yeah. So, and this is just the yeah. avenue that he's allowed me to do it through, and I'm just – I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. 
So good. So what are your hopes for the future with Theology Nights and Bread? Yeah, I mean, I I just... It took me a while, and, and this is, again, we were talking about this behind the scenes too. It took me a while to be okay with this being my... It, it sounds weird to say this, but like this being my ministry and and i struggled with like okay if i'm gonna do this ministry i've also got to do something else and that was not anybody placed that on me it was my own way of thinking and i still don't know why and and i still don't um you know i i i don't know where it came from but for a while i just thought i had to be a pastor in order to do this ministry and and it actually became the quite opposite was was more clear it, it was very clear that the lord had called me to do this this ministry and to do this platform um and and, and this was the way that i was going to serve this was the avenue that i was going to give back this was the avenue that i was going to teach and and as far as the future hopes and, and plans and stuff like that I, I, I'm excited for this part two, I guess you could call it, because now I am – it's almost like I've, I've – I've, first off, I've got a new sense of appreciation for the, po- for the podcast and for the mm-hmm. platform. Taking yeah. some time off really allowed me to um, sort of get my spark back for it. Mm-hmm. But it's also allowed me to realize that, um, yeah, this stuff matters. Uh, you know, Doing the online platform, it matters like because – there is such a following of Christianity on social media right now that they need voices like you and I and, and so many other people that we could talk about on and on and on. They need the faithful voices because a lot of teenagers, a lot of people in their late teens and early 20s are just going to Google and typing, yeah. what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Yeah. And the answers they get are typically not biblical answers. Yeah. And you know, I, I just – I have a heart for it in my, in my – the deepest part of my heart um, you know, it, it breaks when I see the bad theology being put out through the internet, mm-hmm. and that is what motivates me, and that's what keeps me focused on what I'm supposed to be doing with the platform, uh, and realizing that yeah, there is a need for it. So I guess the the hopes for the future are just to keep doing it. Yeah. Um. And as long as long as the Lord wants me to keep doing it, I'll, I'll keep doing it, and and that's sort of the the future plans, I guess. Um. And always tweaking, getting better, always making better better quality audio, better quality video. And those things are just, you know, I always like to do things with excellence and stuff like that. And so uh, learning more about platforms and, and stuff like that is also a goal for the future as well. Yeah, so good. With the way that momentum's going in the world at the moment, Brad, do you see us heading towards a place where there's going to be Christian censorship on YouTube and, and social media like Facebook and Twitter? Oh, man, that's... um, I, I So... I'm, a, I'm an analytics guy. Part of my job is to provide data to people and to provide real results for people. Yeah. Um, you know, when I give feedback to a church and I tell them this is why this post is performing good, I pull up analytics and I show them. You can see specifically where certain targets or certain keywords are targets of Facebook, of YouTube, things like that, and they suppress the stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's just the truth. Yeah. It, it you can change the title of your YouTube video and it pops up everywhere and you could put one different word in it and nobody sees it. Yeah. And it's 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 again it's a real thing and I'm not saying that it's happening on all platforms but I am saying that I've seen it enough that it is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and it's a real thing. And um, there's now I mean, you know, they had this thing um, the the the. 
well, the Twitter accounts were hacked. And they had these supposed screenshots where Twitter employees can shadow ban or suppress people's tweets and stuff like that. Supposedly, they have the options to do that. And I think that just confirmed a lot of the suspicions that many of us had that they were doing that to people. And um, it just so happened to be that these people that are getting shadow banned or suppressed or whatever, they had a certain lean when it comes to their theology and yeah. they had a certain, you know, Christianity to them. And I, I think we're seeing now, especially, um, I, I think we're starting to see it more. People are starting to become more aware of it actually happening, I mm -hmm. think is, is what, um, cause there's been guys that have been saying it for, for years. You know, yeah. there's, there's been guys that have been saying this is going on and, and people are like, ah, that's not happening. I think people are starting to wake up to realize that it really is happening yeah. and, and to what level it does and to how much, I mean, I think it's, I think honestly, like we haven't even seen the beginning of it. I really, I, I don't, I don't think it's, you know, I could be wrong and, and I'll look back on it and think like, man, I'm really glad I was mm. wrong on that. Mm. But I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet. I, I, I really don't. I, I think there's, there's coming a time where, um, I mean, you're using that's the problem with me for example i focused on youtube youtube yeah. is a big thing of mine yeah i'm using their platform they can do whatever they want to with my videos mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter because i'm using their platform so that's why i have another avenue where i put things on my website and i host videos through my stuff and and it's it's my that's my video that nobody can tell me what i can do with it i can i can do whatever i want to with that video yeah um but that's just unfortunately I mean, that's just the world is going to hate us. That's what yeah. the Bible says. Yeah. And so when you put your stuff on a, on a platform like that, it's almost as if you are saying, I'm okay with it. Whatever happens, it's fine. Christ is going to get the message out some way. Uh, it, but we've, but I, I just don't think that it's gotten to the point to where it's the worst yet. Yeah. I, I just don't. Yeah. And then that could also be because I'm such an IT computer guy and I, and I see all this stuff happening. And so maybe that's why I think it's, it's that way. Um, but, but to answer your question, I mean, yeah, it, it's happening. I, I really believe that it is. Yeah. I, I think you can prove it too. Yeah. Yeah. As well as teaching on your channel, you also do, um, some interviews. Who was the first guest that you interviewed? Oh man. Um, so the first guest that I ever interviewed was DA Carson. Um, and so jokingly, I was, um, I was trying to get um, somebody on the show. I, I, I just wanted to get um, somebody who um, who people would be like, yeah, I know him. Yeah. And and D.A. D. A. Carson is one of my favorite authors. Or I'm sorry, not D.A. Carson. Um, G.K. Beale. I don't know why I said D.A. Carson. Uh, G.K. Beale, Dr. Yeah. Beale. Yeah. Uh, he was the first guest that I had on. Um, he's one of my favorite authors. Um, he takes up a whole entire shelf in, in one of my bookshelves. I've read a lot of his stuff, and so – when I was um, – when I like sort of was reaching out to people, Dr. Beale's name got brought up. And so I tracked his email address down, his real Westminster email address, and I sent him an email and I explained who I was. And I told him – I was like, I just started doing this. You're like my 10th episode or something like that. Would you be interested in coming on let me interview you? He said, yeah. He said – without any hesitation, he said yes. He said, I'm on vacation or, or he was out of town for a little bit. Can we touch base again when I get back into town? And I said, no problem. Hmm. A couple of weeks went by. I sent him another email. He said, yep, let's do it this date and this time. And sure enough, we did, we did our interview that night and we had a blast. It was, um, I, you know, I was, I was like nervous to do it. It was, it was really strange. Like, um, yeah. like I was nervous to be talking to Dr. Beal because I, I just, I respect him so much. And here, here I am, this little guy, you know, I just started doing this and, and um, 
I had him on the show. He was the first guy that I had on, and and I still have people to this day that have watched that interview, and 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 they have sent me a message, or I'll get a comment on the YouTube video, and they'll say like how how grateful they were that like you know we had our conversation and stuff like that. But yeah, but yeah, he was the first one, and and he was probably I don't like to pick I don't like to pick favorites because I've had some really good guys on the show. Um, I had Dr. Askell on the show. I had Dr. Askell on the show the day that the By What Standard trailer came out. Oh, wow, yeah, I've seen that. So yeah, it was it was kind of crazy how it happened because I had contacted founders before they had talked about releasing this trailer and stuff, mm-hmm. and that that was the date that we had picked before the trailer was even announced. Yeah, and I remember the morning of it was a Tuesday, and the morning of that I had that night. I had him scheduled. Everybody started messaging me and they were like, dude, you've got Dr. Askell on your show tonight and the founders documentary trailer released today. Yeah. And so that to this day is still, I mean, I've gotten some pretty high count views on some of my videos, but from a live show perspective, I, I mean, I, I don't even know how many people we had on. It was, it was crazy. I couldn't keep up with the amount of people that we had on. Yeah. Um, that, that was fun. I had Dr. Ben, John Dustin Benj. I had him on before, um, he's been on a couple of times, and then I have like Brandon. He's been on before, and I've had um, other guys that do podcasts. I've had them on, and and I've had local pastors. I've had all. I've just had like a good collection of people on the show, and that's the thing that I love doing the most. Is I love having somebody else on the show. We just talk, you know. Yeah. We 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 kind of do like you and I are doing. We have an outline of questions that we're going to work through, and and we're going to talk about ministry and theology and stuff like that. And I, I just I loved doing those so much i just i loved them and, and i'm i'm excited to start doing those again yeah too. yeah have you had the chance to meet any of your guests in person so far yeah luckily i have um so outside of the guys that i've had on from my local area because i have a couple of guys um that are good friends of mine who are actively involved in ministry in my community so outside of those guys um i i had the chance to um it would have been last year actually at um uh, well, no, it would have, I'm trying to think if it would have been before that. Last year, 2019, uh, at Cruciform Conference was when I met a lot of the guys. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been lucky enough to meet a handful of guys. And um, I've been lucky enough to, to – I have a lot of online friends because I'm such an online guy. Yeah. My wife calls them my online buddies, she yeah. says. Yeah. Um, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of them. Uh, you know, we've – We've been able to, to have dinner together and um, to, to have a cup of coffee or whatever, just sit across the table from one another. And it's a it's an entirely different experience. But it's so cool when you know somebody for so long online. And then when you finally get to meet them in person, it's like you've known this person your entire life. And yeah. it's just like a nice fit. And so, yeah, the Lord's allowed me to meet a, a bunch of the guys and, and guys that I'm, you know, we have each other's phone numbers. We text back and forth. You know, we have like an actual friendship. It, yeah. it, it's not just like a online, hey, I'll tweet with you or I'll Facebook message you. Like it's they're they're real friends. And yeah. it's, I'm, I'm really grateful for them. Yeah, so good. I love speaking with busy people and getting some tips. How do you balance having a job and running an online platform and all of the other things that you do at the same time? Uh, oh, man. Well, it, this I'm a very um, – how do I describe my, my personality? I am a very go, go, go guy from the moment I wake up till the moment I go to bed, um, yeah. almost to the point to where like – it was weird. Yesterday, for example, I woke up and I just didn't feel right. I, I felt sick and I was tired and I was just worn out and – I remember it was like eight o'clock at night last night. And I remember telling my wife, like, I got nothing done today. I like, I feel like I'm so far behind and, 
she always has to remind me like it's okay to do that like you can take a day off it's mm. it, it's 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 um it's okay to do that and so i'm a you know i just get up in the morning and i start working right away and and i just this is what i got to do today i put it on my i've got you know a calendar i've got a a notebook i've got a evernote document i've got you know multiple lists all over the place just so i keep track of everything that i have to do um, and I just, I just schedule, I just organize stuff, you know, and, and really I'm lucky that I get to work from home. And, yeah. and so that changes the dynamic a lot. Uh, I don't have to go anywhere. Uh, you know, I don't have to drive to work. I don't have to sit in traffic for work. I literally come to my basement and, and that's where I work from. And so that allows me to do a lot. I can, I can do a lot of things at once. And so I can, um, I can, I can do all of the tasks that I need to do right from my home. And I can also do stuff that I need to do at home while I'm doing other things. That helps a lot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I use, um, you know, scheduling software for social media posts. I'm not, uh, you know, I, 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 I love that type of software. It allows me to do, um, automated posts and things like that, um, for, um, things that I want to repeat and everything like that. Um, but again, I just, you know, like everything that I do, I love yeah. and, and I just, I'm very, very passionate about it. So it's, um, it just, I don't want to say that like, I just get up in the morning and I just float around and everything comes so easy to me, but there's a certain level to where it's like, none of this is, is a job. None, none of, nothing that I do is really like, you know, it, it, it's just, I just love doing what I get to do. Yeah. And, and so it, that certainly helps a lot. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I, you know, I'm not going to try to put on a facade of like, I'm perfect and anything like that. Cause it's definitely not that. I have off days. I have days where I don't feel like doing anything. I have days where I wake up and I'm tired. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I think being able to, to be home more really helps. Yeah. Um, and, and it just fits my personality. It, it just, you know, like the dynamic of my wife's and I's, uh, relationship. Uh, we are like, I'm the guy that grocery shops. I cook and, and clean and stuff like that. That's just like, I'm just, I enjoy doing that stuff. And yeah. so that's how I serve my wife. And especially now with her being pregnant. Yeah. Um, you know, she needs to rest. She needs to be, um, you know, you know, growing our, our, our baby. And so it works out in that way that my schedule allows me to go grocery shopping at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday and yeah. I can have lunch and dinner ready for her and I can take care of her that way. And yeah. um, it, it's just an avenue that the Lord has has allowed me to, to serve her in that way and, and still provide, uh, you know, still pay the bills. Yeah, so good. For anyone that's witnessed you doing one of your live streams will know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. But you remind me of one of those guys in the airport towers controlling all of the planes. You, <laughs> I'm just amazed at how you monitor the live chat, speaking to the guests, keeping on top of all the questions all at the same time. What What's it like to actually do that? All right. So I'll take you on a quick tour of what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have my desk. Again, my, my office is in the basement. My yeah. wife and I have um, a finished basement in our home. And so half of our finished basement is my office. It, it's... Um, it's in the corner and so I have my bookshelves everywhere and it's just, I'm really, really lucky. It's, I love it down here. It's, it's really, it's very comfortable, but right now I'm looking at four different monitors. I have, um, uh, a monitor that I have vertical. And so that's where I monitor chats and things like that. It's real easy to, to monitor on a vertical, um, a, a vertical monitor makes it really easy to view, um, you know, streaming chats and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's one monitor. And then I have three other monitors where I just have stuff put up. I have my, I watch my, my, um, 
my I use a program called OBS, which is my screencast software. So that'll be on one window. And then if I'm doing like a Logos training, that'll be on another window. And then on the third monitor, I'll have like a Chrome browser open if I'm showing a YouTube video or if I'm working through an article. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've got, I'm lucky enough to be able to place stuff on their own window. And so everything's just kind of up and I just kind of, I can look from left to right. I can see everything all at once. I can, I, I'm right there. And then I have a tablet that I view the live stream from. So I can watch my, the actual, I can watch the stream as I'm doing it to make sure that the, what, if you were watching the stream, I'm also watching it as well. Yeah. So I can see the, I can see the quality of it. I can, um, you know, I, I, I know if the audio drops out, I know if the video drops out, I, you know, I want to be able to, to monitor it real time. And if I need to make changes on the fly, I can. So that's another one that I've got to. Then I've also got my camera. And so I'm, I'm trying to make sure I look in the camera when I'm talking and, and, and not stare at the monitors the whole time. I want to make sure like I'm engaging with the audience. So I have to look into my camera. Uh, then I have, of course, you know, my microphone set up and I've got um, all the, excuse me, all the audio gear yeah. that's coming through. Just got a lot of stuff, um, <laughs> but it but it just fits me. It's it's my type of personality. It, like this, I'm more comfortable doing this than anything else that I do. Yeah. Um, it just it just fits me really well. And and um, you know my my hobby is is tech stuff, and so I've just been able to accumulate a bunch of bunch of stuff. And and my wife understands, and so <laughs> yeah. I went from doing it with just like one monitor and. Um, a laptop to now having a, a pretty impressive setup and um it just get i've just gotten I'm, I'm more comfortable with it now uh than when i when i was but it's tough sometimes and i'm my biggest critic and so when i have stuff that goes wrong i take it i, I like I, I take it really hard yeah um, i beat myself i beat myself up pretty bad yeah um, so i want everything to be done you know with excellence and i want the audio to be good i want the video to be good i want all of those things to be good and so that's a that's a learning experience for me every time when I fire it up and um, you know I do I test stuff before I do uh, the live stream I I test my camera I test my audio I test my internet I, I everything it's you know I don't just turn the camera on and, and start start blabbing there's a whole yeah. long process that goes with it but it's something that I enjoy to do because I want to make sure it's done effectively yeah well I think that you consistently do it with excellence Brad you're I'm in awe of how you do it I, I am the absolute opposite of you i i can't i can't do anything live it's audio only just because that's the only way i know how to edit it i'm doing it from you know your studio uh, looks amazing i'm i i do it out of a wardrobe with a uh, <laughs> desk made out of a, a, a cupboard door you are you you're, you're doing a great job and uh yeah Thank it's, it's really, amazing that means a lot i, I appreciate that yeah. very much i'm very lucky and my wife um you know, I, I mention her a lot. I'm not just saying this just to be like, oh, you got to mention your wife. Like, that's not all right at all. But she really uh, – she understands that this is um, – you know, like it, 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 it takes a special kind of wife to for their husband to say to them, hey, I'm going to take every Friday night and sit in front of a camera in the basement yeah. and talk to people on the internet and yeah. her be okay with it. Um, <laughs> And she has been she, yeah. since day one. She's been my biggest fan, and so she understands this is my thing, and yeah. that's super helpful. Um, that that really that really makes it easier for me to do because I know that I have her full support. Yeah, definitely. You've done a brilliant series on spiritual gifts. What is your experience with the charismatic gifts, and when did you become so passionate about teaching them? Yeah, so that's me. It, it's always a hot topic is, 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 is the charismatic movement, spiritual gifts, yeah. the charismatic esque music worship style bands. It's a, it's a hot topic. So when, um, 
early on in my Christianity, uh, we had uh, attended a church that became very word of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it became very, very charismatic. And, and, and it was at that time to where my study of theology went to a different level. Um, I took it personally that I was allowing my family to be exposed to this type of teaching. And I made it my um, – I was never going to let that happen again. And, and, and it was at that point, and I'm grateful that we had that time because my wife and I both grew immensely from that time. We got to experience it firsthand. Um, that's what really did it for me. I wanted to know what I was being taught. I wanted to know what the Bible said about these things. And when I, when I began to – um, study intentionally the gifts and the, the charismatic Pentecostal-esque type movement. Uh, it just didn't line up with what I was studying in Scripture. And it was at about that point to where, you know, we had some friends who, um, and I say had, unfortunately, hmm. uh, because, you know, we just, when, when you are called to be a Christian, and you begin this journey of studying theology and, and wanting to get the Bible as accurately as you can, because you're not going to get it perfectly, mm-hmm. but you want to handle it with the best care that you can. You are now taking on a certain role that is going to put you in some situations that you might not want to be in. Mm-hmm. And we got put in those situations where I had to have some tough conversations with friends, and they did not agree with me, and they just – to this day, they won't even look at me if I see them in public. You know, we, We've just had some unfortunate – We've had some unfortunate things happen, but it was through all of those situations and conversations and and all of those that, you know, I remember sitting across the table from uh, the associate pastor of that church that we left and and me explaining why we were leaving and him just not agreeing with me and him just saying that I was wrong and, you know, we didn't get it. We were, you know, we were wrong. It just plain and simple that we were wrong. And I, and I remember just like that. I love these people. I still do. I still have ran into them. And, and um, you know, we, we care deeply for people that are that are in this type of um, movement. Um, I, you know, I just it, it just it breaks my heart. You know, it, it just it just yeah. really it just hurts to see people caught up in that movement. But it also fueled my passion to help. Um, and to teach and to do series on that stuff, not because I think I've got it all figured out, but because I've been through it firsthand and I've dedicated the time and the resources and the energy to studying it. And I, and I know that, that there are many people that have gone through those movements and when, they, when, when Christ opens their eyes and they realize what's going on, they're sort of like left on their own because yeah. it's, it's, it's very common at least in our area, and I'm sure it's common everywhere else, it's very common for a person to leave that style of church and then to be ostracized in the community. Mm-hmm. To Everybody looks at them like, don't talk to them. They're the ones that spoke up. Ignore them in public. They're not welcome here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so it's tough. And, and I've had hundreds, maybe thousands of people, honestly, that have messaged me because of the videos that I've done or a podcast that I've done and they've shared their story with me and it just makes me weep. Like it, like it just makes me weep because they say I had nowhere to turn. Yeah. Uh, when I confronted my pastor, they, they shut me off and they kicked me out of the church. They told me I was wrong. They kicked me out. I lost friends. You know, my husband and I, we don't have anywhere to go. My wife and I, we don't have anywhere to go. And, and those things started happening. They still happen today. And those are the little things that like, 
Uh, you know, God, like Christ doesn't have to give me anything for serving him. Like, I, like I'm not serving him for any other reason than that's what he's called me to do. Yeah. But he allows me to hear these stories of people that are being transformed by videos and by podcasts and stuff like that. And those are the little things when I hear them, it's just like, it's like confirmation for me that, yep, this is, this stuff matters yeah. and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about that type of stuff. Um, yeah. because I, I sat through it firsthand and I continue to, um, you know, the, the charismatic word of faith movement in our area is huge. It is, it is very, very, very big. And so people know me in the community and, and, and there's, it, it just, it's unfortunate that you can be labeled some of the things that you're labeled just by trying to get the Bible right. And that's yeah. all I'm trying to do. I'm yeah. just trying to get the Bible right. That's it. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, you touched on it earlier on. If you was to Google about, you know, what is it to be a Christian, you're gonna, or, or if you was to seek credibility by looking at the best-selling or bet the most listened to podcasts on Apple, you know, the prosperity preachers are gonna be the ones that are gonna be coming back to you. I know you've spoken about this before. What what is the prosperity gospel, um, Brad, and, and why is it so dangerous? Well, I think, and we could talk about it for hours upon hours and give you theological answers and defense from Scripture and things like that. But to yeah. give the easiest answer, the prosperity gospel teaches you that God wants to give you things if you follow Him. Yeah. That God is going to give you a better marriage, that God is going to give you a better job, that He's going to give you more money, that He's going to give you better health just by you following Him. We know that to be false because it says that in this world you shall have trouble. But yeah. take heart, I have overcome the world. Yeah. So your focus is not on what you can get from Christ, but what you are laying down your life in service to Christ can give you. And, and it's almost like you know that, that John F. Kennedy phrase where he says, ask not what your country can give you, but ask what you, you can give to your country. It's, it's kind of like that because mm. the, the, the prosperity movement has your relationship with Christ backwards. It's focused on man. And, and, and it's what can I gain by following Christ, not the other way around. And, and again, like like God can do whatever he wants to with your life. So if you, before you were a Christian, you and then you became a Christian and you got a better job, you have a better marriage, that's not, I'm not like trying to say that those things are false. Like Because naturally the Bible tells you that like your life should be better as a Christian. Mm. However, mm. it's not guaranteed that you're going to have no trouble, and it's not mm. guaranteed that you are going to make more money, and it's not guaranteed mm. that you're going to be healthy and wealthy and successful. It actually, most of the time, it means the exact opposite. Mm. And the prosperity movement, it's so, I mean, really, if we're just being honest with each other, the prosperity movement sounds great. Like, if I was selling you something and I was going to sell you a gospel, yeah. am I going to sell you the one that says you need to lay down your life, you yeah. need to die to yourself daily, and yeah. take up your cross and follow Christ? Yeah. Or I'm going to sell you a house, success, a big bank account, a yeah. great marriage, friends, a job, promotion. Which one are you taking? Yeah. It does, it, like, like, it's really, like, that's why. It's so successful, first of all, and that's why it's so dangerous because it is so successful. And that's why I think it's so important to speak out upon it because it's wrong. It's not that I just like don't like the style of worship or I don't like the style of preaching. It, it, the, it, the fact is the theology is wrong. Yeah. And, and, and it's – you are – when you place your life under the teaching and preaching of the Bible through whoever it is, you are entrusting your eternal state to that person. It's big. It, if we don't get the Bible right – 
we have missed everything. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it's, it's important to get it right. You know, it's, it's important to take it seriously. Yeah. And it's tough. It's, it's tough to do because again, like I said, the prosperity movement sounds so good. Yeah. Do you, do you see this just becoming a bigger and bigger problem? Well, I mean, it's, it's strange because like, there, there's little glimpses of this type of movement losing its steam. There are certain videos that come out of well-known teachers that are sort of saying, listen, I got it wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I messed it up. I, I, I was not teaching the full counsel of, of God. Yeah. There's, there's little glimpses all over the world. And I think we could even look in um, – if you, if you really evaluate and you step back and you think like in your immediate circles, the friends, the family, and, and stuff like that, the conversations that you have, there's a lot of times where people who were not involved in solid theology are now starting to come out of that poor theology and starting to learn um, you know, more about good theology. I'm hearing personally more of that happening. Hmm. I'm not hearing as much of the opposite of like people rushing towards this prosperity movement in in, in the hundreds like it like it seemed like it was for a while. However, from a large scale, I I, I don't think it's I think we have a long way to go. You know, I, 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 I don't think it's ever going to be completely eradicated, mm-hmm. I, I, and I, I don't think that's our that's our goal, mm-hmm. um, because again, I, I don't think that's I don't think it's realistic to even have that as a goal. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. But I do see that again, the platforms that that so many of us have been given to be able to use the internet and to be able to use podcasts and to be able to use YouTube to do nothing other than teach and preach the Bible and to mm-hmm. do it in an effective manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're reaching people and, and we don't even know how many people we're reaching. Yeah. You know, we, we don't truly know. And that in and of itself is, is uh, encouraging to me because I know there's so many others that are doing it, that, that we're not alone. And, and no matter how many times you feel like you're on an island and nobody understands, there's so many of us that are fighting and laboring and toiling. It, it, it's, it's, it's comforting to be reminded of those things because it, it's a, it's a fight. It's, it's a, it's a battle yeah. and it will be a battle for the duration of our time here on earth. Yeah, sure. You mentioned earlier on, obviously you started going to church in a charismatic setting to begin with, but I'm interested. Have you changed your theological position on anything else over the years? Oh man, let's see here. Um, so when I first became a Christian, I learned reformed theology um, that was what I was taught. You know, I, 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 my understanding of salvation because of what I experienced, I knew that God sought me before the foundation of the world and it was not anything to do with me. It was not any of my gifting. It was not me praying a prayer. It was not me, anything, mm-hmm. it was a work of Christ. So my understanding of salvation, um, has always been pretty consistent. Some of the areas that have changed, um, were the giftings, for example. I was, um, when I first became a Christian, I um, started to learn about the, the giftings and, and, and the, uh, the, the miraculous sign gifts, we're calling it, not the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like, yeah. like you know, your, yeah. your specific giftings, yeah. uh, but the, the sign giftings, the, the tongues and the miracles and the healings and the things like that. Um, I was sort of open to those things, and, and I was sort of... Um, I, I was definitely not a cessationist. I would, I, cause I would, I am a, I am a 
adamant cessationist today, and, and that's by me doing my own studies from the Bible and, and what I view those giftings as. And, and I'll have a conversation with somebody who's a continuationist all day long. If they're open to the gifts, I'm fine with it. You just have to do it according to what the Bible is teaching us, that, that the gifts are still in operation. Um, I, I think those two sides, if you believe in the gifts or if you don't believe in the gifts, we can have conversations and we could be friends. And, you know, that's it's um, it's, it, that's one of those things. Like if you believe in the sign gifts or not, that's a that's a hot topic. Yeah. But that was one of the ones that I that I, I guess has changed um, throughout the years was my understanding of how the gifts work. I, mm-hmm. I believe God can do whatever he wants through whomever he wants. Um, but I just don't believe that. Uh, you know, like the apostles, for example, I don't believe there's any modern day apostles. That was something that I didn't understand when I first became a Christian. I, I didn't understand the, the distinction between um, the title of apostle and the mission of an apostle, the the, the two differences in the words. I, I didn't understand that. So that's yeah. an area that I've changed. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand uh, that speaking in tongues was a um, – they were other languages that I, I didn't know that at the time. So that was something that I've, that I've um, grown in my understanding of as well, it, that, that they were actual languages that people understood in their own native tongue. And it wasn't some sort of um, – you know, it wasn't sort of some sort of weird language that nobody understands. There, it was an actual uh, event at, at Pentecost. I, I just didn't understand that. And so now I do understand that a little bit more effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand, um, gosh, perseverance of the saints, to use one of the acronyms of TULIP. I, I understand that more, that if, you know, if God chose you to be his follower, that y- you, are, you are safe in his arms and, and you will not be removed from the book of life. Um, you know, the, the, if you want to call it once saved, always saved, uh, yeah. you know, I don't like that term. Yeah. Um, but that's a identification of, of that sort of belief. That was an area that I grew in my understanding of too. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, you know, I, I was just so lucky that the people who taught me, uh, theology, they, they cared for theology and I didn't have a, like my wife was raised Catholic. So her understanding of Christianity was much different than what my understanding of Christianity mm-hmm. was because mm-hmm. she came from a Catholic background. I came from no background. So I was a, I was a fresh palate and, and I didn't have to unlearn a lot of things that were false. I, I just was presented with the Bible from day one and, and God just sort of opened my eyes right from the beginning to understand what was going on. I still don't have it all figured out. And you know, I, I never, I never will decide of glory, yeah. um, but I, I certainly can look back and see where I've grown in my knowledge, simply because Christ has opened my eyes and allowed me to understand more uh, as I've studied more. Yeah, so good. If you could turn back time, would you do anything differently? I don't think so. Um, you know, and everybody kind of like looks at me weird, like you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I've told my story from. I've told it to kindergartners, to people that have had full-blown addictions. And so the range of the story varies depending on my audience. And so I've told some pretty bad stories before where I've explained some of the bad situations that I've, uh, that I've been in. And people have asked me, well, you would certainly go back over and change those things, wouldn't you? And I say no, because that was the, that was the journey that, that Christ took me on. That was what he used to get me to where I was at when he saved me. That was the journey he took me on to meet my wife. That was the journey he took me on to meet him. And that's the journey he used uh, for me to help others. That's I, I can sit across the table from somebody, and before they even say the word addiction, I know that they're going through addiction, or they mm-hmm. were in addiction. I just mm-hmm. have that – that's just my thing. I just – I recognize all the signs, and, and that is – 
that's how I'm able to minister to people is I can say, listen, I went through it for 15 years and I, and I was an addict. I wasn't just somebody who experimented with on the weekends. I was a full blown addict. Mm -hmm. And then that went away and you know why that went away. And it gives me an opportunity to talk about Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I, like I said, I don't wish it upon anybody else. It's not the journey that I would ever recommend anybody trying. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was my journey, and, and I am super grateful for it. And, yeah. and, and I would never change a thing about it. I, I, I really wouldn't. Yeah. Viewers of Theology Nights would have no doubt seen your amazing bookshelves at your studio, uh, Brad. <laughs> what are some of your favorite books sitting on those shelves? Oh man. Um, so let me let me try to like go through some of my my personal favorite just books. Like if we're if we're talking about um, talking about books. Yeah. So I really enjoy theology type works. Um, I, 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 I'm a big fan of theology. And so the, 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 the new studies in biblical theology series is one of my favorite series of books ever. There's 30 some volumes or whatever. I've got maybe half of them and I've got some in Logos. I love those books. Those are some of my favorite books as a whole, as the series. Um, but as I'm looking on my shelf right now, cause I, I, I just like to look around and it, something will come up into my mind. For example, <laughs> there's a book called From Heaven He Came and Sought Her, which is a book on definite atonement and, and the atonement of Christ. It's it's set up in an essay format and there's multiple authors. That's one of my top five favorite books of all time. It's the it's the best book on the atonement. I think you can you can read. It's very technical, it's it's very scholarly, but man, it's a fantastic book. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite books. Um I am also, as I mentioned before, I'm a fan of uh, G.K. Beale, so I am um, looking at some of his books that I have on my shelf, like A New Testament Biblical Theology. That's one of my favorite New Testament theological books. Yeah. Uh, I reference that a lot. Um, his commentary on the book of Revelation is one of my favorite books. Um, I was lucky enough to actually get the hardcover edition of that of that commentary. Yeah, yeah. And if you're a book nerd like me, like that's one of the hardest books to come by. So I've got the hardcover edition on my shelf, which is kind of like having like a rare baseball card or yeah. something like that. If you yeah. want to kind of put it in your own terms that you can relate. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of, of that book as well. Uh, I love everything by R.C. Sproul. Um, I, I'm just looking over on his shelf. Um, I have a lot of uh, a lot of books by him that have really um, the holiness of God, for example. I see that one there. That's been a big book that has spoken to me. Um, Everyone's a theologian. That was a big book as well that that Christ used in my um, early days of um, you know starting to grow in my understanding of of theology and to um, to learn more about um, you know. Um, the, the, the doing the work of theology. Um, but I would probably, if I have to pick one book, okay. Yeah, and this, yeah. this is, if I always like to give you one specific book. <laughs> so Abner Cho, um, it's a book called the hermeneutics of the biblical writers, learning to interpret scripture from the prophets and apostles is probably my all time favorite book. Um, it's, it's a, it's a hermeneutics book. So it might not fit with everybody. Um, cause it is a little bit more, um, you know, it's a little bit more scholarly and a more academic book, but it's, I'd probably place it number one. It's, it, it's a book that I look at and I remember reading it Yeah. and I have, um, because I'm reading so much, sometimes I don't always like, 
I can look at a certain book and go, I think I read that. And then I'll pick it up and I start to look and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, here's some of my underlinings and things like yeah. that. I did read it. Yeah. But this is a book that I look at and I remember like almost every page of it. Uh, it's just it, it, it was um, I got it at um, gosh, when did I get this? This would have been a Together for the Gospel in 2016. Oh, yeah. And I remember starting it that night in my hotel and I had it finished by the time I got back home, like a couple of days later, I read it that quickly. Really, wow. Um, and I've read I've read it a handful of times since then, and you yeah. can even tell by looking at the copy it it, it lays flat like yeah. easily because I've read it so many times. Um, yeah. I'd probably say that's my my all time favorite book would be that one. But there's so many that like even looking around on my shelves right now that like um, you know any book by. Um, um, Graham Goldsworthy, his Christ Centered uh, Biblical Theology yeah. book is fantastic. Yeah. Um, the Christ of the Covenants uh, by O. Palmer Robertson, that's a good book too. Uh, Dr. Schreiner's New Testament Theology, that's a really good book. Um, and I've got like, there's just so, I mean, it's like we're really lucky to have so many good yeah. books. You know, yeah. it's, it, there's just, I'm just, and I'm lucky that I've had a lot of people that have said, here's, here's these books, take them, yeah. put them, build your library. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just, we could spend, a whole hour or two just going through books and, yeah. and talking about how lucky we are to have all the resources that we do. Oh, for sure. Well, you've sold the Abner Chow book to me. I've seen it on Amazon before and I've uh, I've eyed it up, but I'm going to buy it straight after yeah. this interview today, Brad. You've sold it to me. It's it's fantastic, you yeah. know, and, and uh, it's one of those books that you would appreciate because yeah. you're in the t- you're in a teaching role and you'll understand the. Um, I just I remember it so vividly. Again, I remember reading the book and certain things coming off the pages, and I remember having to like take a moment and just like absorb what I was reading. It's it's really that good of a book. I, I I'd be excited to hear your your review on it. Oh, for sure. Do you think you've got a book inside you, Brad? You know, I don't know. Um, I've had some people. So, um. I taught through the book of Hebrews um, almost twice, um, every verse, every line, um, I, I, you know, expository, you know, uh, like you, which you're very familiar with. I, I taught through it verse by verse twice, almost two times, uh, one time completely. And then the second time, I think I taught through 75% of the book. Mm. And so I had a couple of friends that like jokingly said, you should write a book on the book of Hebrews because the book of Hebrews is my favorite book in the Bible. I yeah. think it, it, it is um, – I think if you were to take one book and you can't summarize the entire Bible in one book, I think you need all components of it. But I think you could come pretty close just by the book of Hebrews to mm. summarize the entire content of the mm. Bible. I, I just I love it. Um, I, I don't know if, if, if it's because I've I've um, I've taught through a lot of books in the Bible. Um, and so every book that I or anything that I teach is always in an expository manner. And so I've taught through First and Second Timothy. I've taught through Philippians. I've taught through uh, Hebrews. I've taught through First um, Peter. I've, you know, there's there's other books that I've taught through from from start to finish. But the book of Hebrews, it was it was a journey, mm-hmm. and and I spent um, very like like I had intentional times of study in the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And so if there was a book that I was going to write, it would probably be, I don't want to say a commentary on the book of Hebrews because yeah. I certainly don't understand it to that level. Yeah. Um, but it might be a reflection on a journey through the book of Hebrews mm-hmm. that, that might be um, if I were to write one, that might be what I would write about would be the, like, like a, like a, a personal experience through the book of Hebrews probably. So good. Did you get a chance to record any of your teachings? Um, I have uh, some of them. I don't have them. I don't think I have them online. Um, so before I started doing, I taught through the book of Hebrews in two different settings. Yeah. And so it was done at um, 
before I got really involved with videotaping and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have some of them. Um, and I, and I don't know if I have all, how many I have on my YouTube page. Um, but I, but I don't have as many as I'd like to. No, yeah. I, I, I certainly don't. Yeah. Uh, Brad, I can't believe it. The hour's gone by so fast. I've really enjoyed speaking I know. to you. It always does. <laughs> so good. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, so I am pretty active on uh, Facebook. That's my um, that's my big platform where I do communication and uh, posting and stuff like that. So if you search on Facebook, if you search Theology Nights, uh, you could find our page. We would we would love for you to follow us, uh, leave us a like, uh, send us a message. Um, you'll get me. I'm I'm the I'm the guy. So if you ever have a question or if you ever want to uh, chat, send me a message on Facebook. Just search Theology Nights. Uh, but our big platform is YouTube. That's where we have the most subscribers, the most views, and stuff like that. Uh, again, you could search Theology Nights on on YouTube, um, or just go to theologynights.com and you can link to all of our social media platforms. And uh, we have links to all of our old videos and teachings, and yeah. we have links to some of our other resources that we recommend. Uh, we have links to uh, some of the other ministries that we work with, uh, book recommendations, uh, things like that. So theologynights.com is sort of the the one stop to get all of our resources. Really good. Well, I really want all of our listeners to to go and follow you, Brad. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put the links in the, below this video right now. So there'll be links to your YouTube, your website, your Facebook, your Twitter. Um, they'll all be in the description below. So please do go and follow Brad. Give him your support. Truly an honor, my brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.